What you're about to hear is a portion of this week's Pod Dylan, the full version of which is now available only to FM Plus subscribers. Please enjoy this sample. For just a few dollars a month, FM Plus subscribers get all of our full episodes, bonus episodes, plus full archives from every show in the FM Podcast Network. Subscribing makes all of these great shows possible. You can sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Well, early in the morning till late at night, I got a poison headache, but I feel all right. I'm pledging my time to you, hoping you'll come through, too. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about Pledging My Time is the author of Pledging My Time, Conversations with Bob Dylan Band Members, Ray Padgett. Hi, Ray. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Rob. Absolutely. Congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. I I published a book myself once in 2011, and I know it is a Herculean effort just <laughs> to get it, just to turn this notion that you had in your head into an actual physical object. So I just just that not not even if to be not even like that it's good, just getting it done is Herculean. So again, congrats! It's just a it's an impressive achievement. Well, thank you. I've done three now, and I think every time I sort of, you just remember the good parts and you forget how tar- tough it was to like <laughs> trick yourself into doing another one. And then you're, then, you know, six months ago, I'm in the thick of it. I'm like, why did I want to do this? <laughs> I, yeah, I can understand. Someone, someone pitched a volume two of my book for me years, and I was like, no, never. No, <laughs> no, never doing that again. You're so smarter uh, than I am. Oh, man. Well, I will say, I, as of yet, have not been able to procure a copy of the book from its author because they keep selling out, Ray. I know, I know. I've got another shipment coming to me tomorrow and, and, and you're, you're top of the list. I promise. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, you had a bunch of copies. Yeah. I saw you, you tweet about it. You're like, Oh, I had like 30 copies and I can say, and I was like, Oh, let me get on that. And then literally by the time I wrote you, I saw your follow up to you. You were like, Yeah, they're all gone now. I'm like, son of a. I know. I was just when I was like, oh, I guess everyone already has it now. Who might possibly be interested in something so esoteric? Uh, no. Turns out they didn't, and still, and still don't. But I got, I got another box on the way. Excellent. I'm really looking forward to reading. I've read some of your, you know, interviews. You, you placed it online, and they're just amazing stories. They, some of the stories you told are so good that I've told them to people who are not even Bob Dylan fans, just because the story is so good. You know, like it doesn't matter that you're a Dylan fan or not. It's just. This is a really amazing story. So I'm really, really looking forward to, to digging into the book. And of course, you pitched me this song, Pledging My Time, which makes total sense. It's a title of your book. Did, may I ask, were there any other Bob Dylan song alt titles that you thought of for this book? Or was it always going to be Pledging My Time? No, there was a long, long list. Now I'm trying to remember what they are. While I talk, maybe I'll see if I can find... Oh, here we go. Title options. Look, I'm just going to read these to you so you can... Oh, there's... I'm not going to read all of them. There's a lot. We had Song Always Be Sung. That was one of them. Okay. Um, yeah. Some of these... Uh, Our Back Pages. That was in the mix. Um, <laughs> Down the Highway was, except there was already a book called that. So yeah. that got... 
I mean, that, I mean, it's good. It'd be a good title for this because it's mostly about touring musicians, but mm. endless, endless highway. That was a, a twist on down the highway. There were some that were like good titles, but really esoteric. Like mm-hmm. I like, I, I was a big fan of gotta travel on, which is a song they covered every night to close the 76 rolling thunder tour. But like, you know, no one knows what that is. Right, <laughs> it's not right, even right. a song he wrote. So. Right. It's not a Dylan song. So yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, like yeah. something I kind of wanted, but everyone's like, you idiot. Like, what does that even mean? I was like, <laughs> no, he covered it in like, you know, Fort Worth, 1976. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? This book is like obscure enough. Don't give it that title. So I was, I was talked out of that one. I like how you downshifted into nerd guy voice there to defend yourself. <laughs> I recognize that. I recognize that voice a lot you know, coming out of my own mouth sometimes. Yeah. Uh, plus, you know what? Pledging my time just as a book. I mean, it's obviously you've got the subtitle explaining it, but pledging my time is short and punchy, you know, like it's, and it does fit in once you know the subtitle of the book. Like, oh, okay. It makes sense. So it's, it has that just like, it's like, oh, good. It's just like it. It rolls off the tongue kind of in a funny way when I was listening to all the versions of this, not all of them, but a bunch of the versions of the song in preparation for the episode. It just has the word time is so, you know, obviously like iconic, you know? Because- yeah. I mean, I mean, when I, um, you know, I, I originally sort of thought of it in the sense, and I write this in the intro in the sense of all these musicians have pledged their time to Dylan. So that's meaning mm-hmm. number one, but kind of as I thought about it more and as I was, I was pulling the book together. I sort of added a second meaning that it also is Dylan who's pledged his time to us as the fans, Mm -hmm. especially again, a lot of these people are people who've toured with him. He has not needed the money from touring for decades. Now he does not need to spend, you know, a hundred shows every year on the road financially. He's pledging his time to us coming to coming to your town, you know? So that's sort of, that's sort of the secondary meaning I came up with for it. Yeah. It works perfectly. I, we, you know, we've talked about it on other episodes, like, especially with Garnier, you know, Garnier's been playing with him for 36 years now, I think we're at. I think I think it was 80, 87 where he started. I mean, that's I think a, 89. That's, but is it 89? Okay, 34 years. I mean, that's a that's a marriage. I mean, that's a, that's a marriage, you know, the the I mean, I'm sure that Tony gets lots of time off and gets to see parts of the world that no other human outside of Bob will probably ever get to 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 see, but just the commitment to another person who's not, like I said, your children or your wife or your husband or your parent, you know, like to, to pair up with this guy and be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to spend presumably the rest of my creative life on stage with this man is that talk about pledging your time. I mean, that is oof, it's amazing. Seriously. I mean, a lot of the people I interviewed told me about that. And in fact, it's the reason a lot of them ultimately left like Larry Campbell. You know, he was there for seven years. And he said he couldn't do anything else. Like he was getting opportunities to produce, including a session was offered to him to produce Paul McCartney. But wow. then Bob said, you know, all right, we're going for a month in Europe and he couldn't do it. So that's, I mean, the, it, the sacrifices are serious. The fact that Tony has stayed as long as he did is amazing because you really are pledging your time, pledging your professional life in many ways when you join Bob's band. Truly, truly. Okay. Well said, so let's, uh, let's talk about the song. Uh, which again, you, you called the, the book title from, I mean, other than the connection to your book, why do you want to talk about this song? I, I, I'm so glad I picked this song. And the funny thing is when I picked the song, you notice those, li- the reasons I just listed for why that's the title of my book. I did not list that I particularly love the song, right? Mm-hmm. It's like 
I, I sort of picked it, and I was I was going to make a joke when I came on. That like last time I was here, I did "Cats in the Well," which is like <laughs> right. a song that I find amusing, but is like not like a top ten Dylan song. And this time I picked another song I don't particularly care that much about, which I did at first. But listening to it, you know, in the last few days, getting ready for this and all these other versions, I like turned myself after having published a book called "Pledging My Time." I have turned myself into a "Pledging My Time" the song super fan. So I'm very glad I picked it, even though at the time it was like, well, I got to do the song. <laughs> My book is titled and I don't know what I'll have to say about it. Now I'm like, oh, man, this song rules. It, <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to it. I will. Yeah, like you, I this has never been like one of my favorites in particular. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's never been one that I particularly had some great had any great resonance with me. But then as what happens a lot on the show, I go and I start digging down you know, deep into it and I'm listening to, you know, alternate versions and live versions. And I'm just sort of thinking about it more. And at first of all, I realized it's placement on the record. Does the song kind of no favors in that right. <laughs> it is song two on the record. And it follows, of course, rainy day women, 12 and 35, and it precedes visions of Johanna. So, I mean, it is boxed in, not that, necessarily everyone who listens so listens to blonde on blonde from the beginning and, and straight through but it you know when you when you're first hearing it it can't it's a i think it's a great song but it can't help just feeling less resonant because it's following this sort of you know, one of his more one of his most popular hits and you know bequeathed one of uh one of the great sort of pop culture phrases uh, that Bob Dylan has mm-hmm. ever come up with. And then it leads into one of the gr- probably top 10 greatest songs anybody's ever written. And so <laughs> he just can't help be kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Ooh, Visions of Johanna, though. You know, <laughs> like he just can't help it. And even if you've, uh, that's all true. And even if you've got the album on shuffle or something, like Blonde on Blonde, as perfect as it is, there are like a number of slow to mid tempo blues songs. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got Pledging My Time, you got Temporary Like Achilles, you got Obviously Five Believers. Again, I, I've changed my two now, but they all kind of muddled together for me, you know, as like, all right, they're fine, they're good in the album context, but like, never a song I would go to. And I think, I think Pledging My Time can easily get slotted in with all right one of the one of the B tier blonde on blonde tracks. Which is when you think about it, you know, like, well, yeah, I mean a B B tier blonde on blonde is A tier to most anybody else. <laughs> you know, right. Any other musician uh working. And so I mean I quoted the opening lyrics, the opening verse, and then the second one is well the hobo jumped up. He came down naturally after he stole my baby then he wanted to steal me. But I'm pledging my time to you, hoping you'll come through too. And I do love the way he sings this. Like I, I when when Bob is being funny and he knows he's being funny, uh, there's this sort of kind of like an effortless charm to it. I will say I have never been the biggest fan of Rainy Day Women. I think it's fine, but it's never been a song that I particularly listen to a lot. Yeah, oh, they stone har har har. Uh, I find this song to be a lot funnier just because of Dylan's delivery. Uh, there's some days you got the sort of sly wit to it that I really enjoy, even though there is kind of some serious stuff going on here. I just find it to be a kind of more amusing because of just, I think you can almost hear the smile as he's, as he's singing this. I think this is one of those songs as there are a number in, you know, the catalog where the performance really sells what are otherwise 
there are there are a few really great lines that we'll probably talk talk about, but otherwise the lyrics are you know fine. I don't they don't really jump out at me as like amazing. Again, this is right before Visions of Johanna. Right. And There's kinda, no kinda ghost pales, like, kind of yeah. pales in comparison, or or even Rainy Day Women, which is like a novelty song, but you know it's got some bite. It's got a, a it's very memorable. This is kind of like all right, sort of blues some blues cliches thrown together, but the performance, the way he sings it, uh, I, I do think sells it much more than like i've got the you know lyrics up on the screen here and i don't i don't think they really do justice to the song just written out right yeah right exactly yeah there's no ghost of electricity howls in the bones of her face going on here i mean they, they said this is a kind of straight up blue song and the language is pretty simple i mean you could if you wanted to you could read these words and say oh this is a song from time out of mind and it wouldn't necessarily jump out of you that that's not right because it has that same kind of economy of language. Again, just reading the words. I mean, won't you come with me, baby? I'll take you where you want to go. And if it don't work out, you'll be the first to know. That could be a bunch of different. That could, that could land on a couple of his records in the kind of just the, 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 the simple, the uh, reducing down of the, not only say unnecessary, but the florid language. And he's just cutting it, making it very basic. Or how about I got a poison headache? I mean, that's the theme of time out of mind, isn't it? That could be the first line of lovesick or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I was listening to this again, and we'll talk about the alternate versions and the live versions and whatnot, I don't, maybe it's because this is not a song that I ever spent a whole lot of time thinking about. I was just like, oh, it's a relationship song, as like a lot of the songs on Blonde and Blonde are kind of the uh, morning after the night before kind of songs. And that's, that's sort of the mood of the whole record in a lot of ways. And so I always just regarded this as, Oh, he's trying to make a commitment to, to a person, to a woman. And he's hoping that it'll be reciprocated. And that's, you know, that's, I'm pledging my time to you. Once you come through too. Okay. Pretty simple. But then I, you know, I read it over and I go, is this another one of those songs where he's singing to his muse? Is that what he's talking about? He's, is he pledging his time to music? And he's seeing, am I going to get rewarded for this? Am I going down this path? And so I, it feels like it's another one of those songs that it could be a woman or it could be his, his muse that he's talking to. I had a similar thought and I compared it to the line, I'm pledging my time to you. Sounds a whole lot like the line, I've made up my mind to give myself to you from, mm-hmm. you know, decades later. And right. that's a song a lot of people have said, okay, that's about a woman, or okay, that's about the muse, or maybe it's even about God, or maybe it's about the fans. You know, the you is fairly ambiguous. Um, and I'd never made that comparison before, you know, sort of listening closely. But, I mean, the lot they basically mean the same thing. One just has a lot more syllables. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I try not to, like, lard up my feelings about any, what the, you know, what, what any given song means to me. Um, by what I know about Bob's life, because I don't think it's relevant. He's not just doing an autobiography. He's writing about different things at different times. But I also can't help it because I've read a million books about Bob. Not yours yet, but I've read a million books about Bob's. Uh, and, you know, we know that he was, he was certainly riding high, but he was also burning out big time. And we've all seen the footage of him in that hotel room. Uh, you know, right during these sessions or right after. And he just looks like a zombie because he's pushing himself so hard. I mean, when you think about it, this is a, this is his third record in what, 18 months. I mean, they, imagine that. Imagine creating 
bringing it all back home, Highway 61 revisited and Blonde on Blonde within a year and a half of your life. That's unreal. Just the, the, the pace that he was setting for himself. And I would, I would think it would be natural to, to say, am I giving my, I'm giving myself over to this and it, is this the right thing to do? Is this really what I want to be doing? Am I going to devote my whole life to this at 25? He's worrying about that. I still think he's singing about that now. He's still worried. He's still thinking about it at 82 years old. But, um, I, I, yeah, I can't, I, now that I, when I was, again, I was listening to the, the different versions. I was like, yeah, that's kind of how this works for me. At least it's like, you're, you're wondering, is this with this thing I'm pouring so much of my life into, is this going to reward me the way I hope it will? And it's a little scary. Well, and if you want to get really literal, I mean, there's a line about they sent for the ambulance. Which, you know, if he's a if he's worried about, you know, burnout and all the, you know, mixed up medicine he's taking. Uh, and then, of course, B, he they literally, I'm sure, did send for an ambulance mm-hmm. uh, a few months after he recorded this when he, when he crashed his bike. So, yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not saying he literally was predicting that, but uh, or, or the room is so stuffy, I can hardly breathe. I mean, this sort of the world closing in the paranoid. This is not. Again, it's it's a funny song because like part of it does seem kind of romantic, and then part of it seems like paranoid or someone who's like not in a good headspace. Right. Well, when he says the room is so stuffy, I can hardly breathe. Breathe. I'm picturing him in like a recording studio, you know, like there's and there's like a bunch of people around, and he's just this room is so stuffy, I can hardly breathe. You know, that I picture that as well. I mean, everybody's gone but me and you, and I can't be the last to leave again. I think he's he's talking about his muse, uh, and so yeah, um. So that said, I mentioned earlier, I still think it's a funny song because, again, he's got that that lilt in his voice that is just kind of delivering this fun. You know, he's like he's just kind of like, yeah, this is a little serious, a little scary, but it's also funny, too, because I'm again, I'm singing to this person and maybe they'll understand it. And, and and I do love the way he stretches out. I'm pledging my time like he stretches that <laughs> word. Um, I I don't know how. Anybody that creates a song knows how to do that, like knows what word to stretch to fit the line. I, I just don't know how their brain can comprehend that because to me, it's just, it's just total alchemy. So I just love the way he makes time into like a seven consonant, seven uh, syllable word and stretches it out. And of course the band is playing with them and they're, they're rollicking along with this. So it's, it, and it's a short little tune. I mean, it's only like three minutes and change or whatever, but. Listening to it this morning while I was out walking my dog, I'm like, yeah, this is a blast, this song. And I don't know. It's like actually like a perfect kind of track two uh, because it's lulling you into this. You know, it's like, oh, this is going to be kind of a funny record. And then and then bang, track three. And then we're in a whole other universe. Yeah, I mean, I you're right that it's funny. I think any song that uses the word hobo. Can't be all serious. I mean, it's hard to talk about a hobo with a straight face. Actually, I was listening to, I'm sure you were too, the, you know, the cutting edge had four or five other versions. Yes. And one of them, the hobo is more of a main character. Here he just gets one reference, but in, in one of the alternate takes, I think maybe the first take, the poison headache opening verse is gone. The new opening verse is baby got jealous. She, she took five trips with a hobo and left me here alive. So the hobo gets established in verse one. Then in verse two, now it's the same. The hobo jumped up naturally after he stole my baby. He wanted to steal me. So like in in one of these things, at one point, he like planned to have roughly half the song about this, this hobo stealing his baby, which is, is hilarious. I think, I mean, I wouldn't take 
you know, more hobo talk over the poison headache line, which is, you know, one of the better lyrics in this, but I do find that fairly amusing. <laughs> it's a, was really committed to this hobo character at one point. It's such a wonderfully old timey kind of term. I mean, we certainly don't use it anymore. I think probably by the sixties, if it was still kind of in the parlance a little bit, but it's certainly an artifact of kind of the thirties. When you hear hobo, we, you know, you think of a guy with like a bindle, Jumping yeah, a train, with a, you yeah, know, with a, with a stick, like a cartoon yeah. character with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, you know, they're cooking their meal in a boot, you know, that kind of <laughs> that kind of old stuff. And Bob, you know, Bob loves all that that kind of stuff. So again, you mentioned the um the alternate takes. I mean, yeah, he can be kind of banged away at this and tried different versions. There's the one I forget which take it was that I again. There's a couple I forget which one I was thinking of, but yeah, the one you mentioned's got hobo mentioned twice, but it's a lot faster and. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I prefer it to the one in the album, but I, you mentioned earlier that like there are a lot of kind of mid tempo songs and for an, a record that's as long as Blonde on Blonde is and it's got Sad Eyed Lady, The Lowlands and stuff like that. It doesn't have that many up tempo numbers. And I'm like, this might not have been the worst thing to put an up, put an up temp, the up tempo version uh, on it instead of the kind of the slower one. Cause I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. You know, I you can't fault the guy's choices, but uh I, I it worked to me it worked on a completely on a really on its own terms. Uh yeah, I, I think especially if you're gonna leave it at track two, there's certainly an argument to not slowing the album down so fast. But one of the interesting things I discovered listening deep to these cutting edge takes is after that first fast one, you can literally there's like the I think they call it rehearsal, it's basically them messing around in the studio, and you can literally hear Dylan say, basically tell the drummer how to play it. And he now he says something like, I, it's got to have a strong beat. And then you hear what I'm pretty sure you hear like a, a squeak of a chair and then someone demonstrating a drum beat. I think he literally is taking over the drum stool for a second and playing the drum beat. And it's a lot slower than the fast one they just did, which is like a, a amazing little little moment of sort of studio chatter and of Bob. You know, I talked to all these musicians in my book, one of the themes that they all say is like, he doesn't tell you what to play, right? He like, you have to sort of figure out what, what he'll, he'll like and play that. Oh my this is gosh. a rare occasion where you can literally hear him. He says, Hey drummer, here's what you got to play. And he sits down at the drums and he plays the drum beat he wants the guy to play. I mean, that's so unusual both for him to do that and, and for us to be able to listen in on it. I found that kind of amazing. And as I say, it's a lot, it's a lot slower. And I think the next take or maybe one after that is the album version. Thanks for listening to this part of the episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM Plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows. Sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com.